opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Matt. You actually have, we have titled it now, Apple Presentations with Matt Volbricht. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not only did you make it up to, to webinar, but now we finally have like an official title for you. <laughs> so, no pressure there, right? <laughs> no pressure. I want to thank everybody for attending. Um, I, we are using webinar, so I know you don't really get to see um, if you're in the audience who, how many are on here, but you've already pulled in quite a following here. So um, all together, we have 61 people. So everyone in the audience, you're not by yourself. Um, you do come in muted and um, we will be taking raised hands when it's time for, when it's time for questions, but not before then. So please don't raise your hand before it's Q and a time. And this week we're going to be learning all about security and best practices for our phones. I'm really excited for that because um, we I have no best practices at all. And we're live on ACB radio on the community channel. So we're really excited about that. And joining Matt is um, is Rita and Cliff. So really excited about that. And Matt, it's all yours. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Once again, always, always look forward to these and always a great uh, Great time. So thanks for the opportunity to do this and thanks for the support. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm excited. Uh, this certainly isn't one of the most fun or most exciting topics maybe that we could talk about, but I know it's something that's on everybody's mind at one time or another. Uh, I know it's something people want to learn about. And actually, I'm very excited for the, uh, the chance to share with you what I feel are some best practices. And of course, I'm also Equally excited to get uh, uh, trainers Cliff and Rita in here from the TTJ instructor team to share their perspectives on things too. So, hi guys, glad to have you. Um, so, uh, what I kind of want to start with, I think, because you know, we get a lot of questions. Um, we get a lot of, you know, is my device really secure? Will I get viruses? You know, what about spyware? Um, and, and then what are, you know, s different scams? And what are procedures that I can take to, uh, to secure things? And uh, what about my privacy, you know, online or otherwise? And, uh, you know, are my, if I have a, a HomePod or an Amazon Echo or, you know, some of these other devices, are they listening in to me? Are they, you know, so there's lots and lots of questions we get. What I want to do is attempt to answer some of the most common ones and talk about some things that I think you can do to sort of help out a little bit. And, and you know, I want to start out by saying that there is no, as I like to say, there's no unsinkable ship, okay? There's, there's no 100%, you know, we, we, that's not the world we live in. We all understand that. But I think at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves a very simple question. And I think everybody is faced with this in everything we do in life. I think that's been made very clear in these recent crazy times too. And for those of us who can't see, sometimes it's even uh, more of a reality to us because you know we get in a car with people we have never met before. Uh, we can't drive. We've got to trust them, You know these types of things. 
And so I think with, with technology, it's no different. And that is you've got to ask yourself, at the end of the day, are the benefits going to typically outweigh the risks? And I think that you can easily answer that with a very emphatic yes. And especially with Apple, because Apple, perhaps more arguably more than any other company, takes your security and your privacy very seriously. Now, that's not to disparage any other companies. I'm not saying the rest are all bad or anything like that, okay? But Apple just goes above and beyond when it comes to protecting its customers' privacy, when it comes to keeping its customers secure. And there is a lot of security that is built into the very essence of the technology that Apple uses. And this does differentiate them from other companies. A lot of times, the very things that some of the pundits will complain about are actually the things that are helping you out. You know, well, boy, I wish I, you know, I wasn't limited to just the app store. Some people will say, I wish I could install apps from anywhere, or I wish I could customize this or do that. And and with those things come inherent risks, which is why Apple doesn't want you jailbreaking your devices, okay? And because of that, Apple will figure out a way to bring the features and the functionality to you that you want over time, but they're going to do it in a way that gives you the best balance of functionality and security and privacy. And a great example of that is, is Siri. Um, and we're going to get into some specifics here first, but I'm just kind of giving you an introduction, sort of a thesis statement here. But uh, a great example of that is Siri. You know, for a lot of years, Siri got criticized for being behind Google Assistant and, you know, the A-lady, uh, whose name I won't say because I've got one right beside me here. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, first of all, I, I personally don't feel that it, was, that it was deserved criticism anyway because I always liked Siri. I never really had any problems. But, you know, there were some people who said, well, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that. Here's the thing you had to understand about Siri from day one and to this day, Siri is the only smart assistant that continues to anonymize your requests. This means that Apple has no idea who is making these requests. They're not associated with your account. I can go into the Amazon app or the Google Assistant app, and I can actually look back at the history of everything I said, meaning that information is out there. And that is not the case with Siri. Siri is anonymized. Now, there is some data that they share and they make that apparent. You can opt out of that if you don't want to share it, but it's still anonymous. So it's, it's a totally different world. And so I've just said that to emphasize the fact that Apple really does go above and beyond. And so you ought to feel good about the security and the privacy of your devices. The other reason that they're very secure is, especially with iOS and iPadOS, Apple has built a sort of walled garden whereby you really only can install apps by way of the App Store. Now, there are exceptions to that. There's enterprise apps that can be sideloaded and, you know, a few little things here and there. But really, for the most part, and for the average consumer, the only way you're going to get apps installed on your device is through the App Store. Now, that App Store comes with a number of significant benefits. For one thing, there is a review process that every app must go through, and it's a very strict review process. And if the app in any way doesn't meet the guidelines or violates any of the terms, that app is rejected until they fix what is wrong. And if something is ever missed, 
you know, because they're still humans and they're still subject to mistakes. But if Apple ever does miss something, it's very, very easy and very quick to, to mitigate that and to rectify that problem. The other thing that happens um, because of the App Store is that we know where these apps are coming from. We have developer contact information, and we have easy ways of knowing what the apps are going to do. Not only that, but Apple restricts what the apps can do. So they're not allowed to just access random parts of your device and modify other files. Some of you who are Windows users or who used to be Windows users, you remember the times of things like DLL files and these weird things, you know, where you would install some application and all of a sudden, two other apps on your Windows computer would stop working now that you installed this one app. Well, that kind of thing doesn't happen with iOS and iPadOS. It, it just doesn't exist because of the way that Apple restricts the access that every app has. Uh, they provide them what's known as APIs and frameworks, which are you know ways that they can still accomplish what they want, okay, so that they can work together. So multiple apps can share information between apps and stuff. There's ways to make that happen. But it's all done through a very tight, very secure, kind of, as I said, walled garden. And the last point I want to make about this, just in general, is that this App Store method of installing apps makes it significantly more difficult to get any kind of virus or any other kind of malware on your system if you're using iOS or iPadOS. It's, it's, again, there's no unsinkable ship, but it's, it's very difficult because all of the apps are coming from this one source. So it is a very good, very strong very secure system. Now, having said that, there still are some bad actors, right? And there are still some things that we can do, some of these things, very common sense to increase our security, increase our privacy. You know, there are still risks of, you know, identity uh, being compromised and things of that nature. So we want to talk about those and really focus on those kinds of things. And for me, it really begins with our Apple ID because the Apple ID is the, the fundamental entry point to every Apple service, to every purchase from Apple, you know, every app, every movie, every TV show, every book, every app subscription, all of these things start out with your Apple ID and your iCloud data that is synced across devices and made available to you anywhere and everywhere. That's all based upon your Apple ID. And so the very first couple of best practices that I want to talk about relate directly to the Apple ID. So what's the first thing that we can do to ensure the security of our Apple ID? We can make and use a strong password. And I'll take that a step further and say every account that you have on Apple uh, on 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 the web, whether it is an Apple ID, whether it's your Google account, whether it's you know from uh, SubwayRestaurants.com, I don't know what the, you know whatever. Every account that you make, you want to use strong passwords, and you want to use different passwords for every website. Now, why is that so important? Why is it a bad idea if I use my you know my cat's name? Um, and, and use it for every website. Well, there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is that words that are easy to recognize are also easy to guess, okay? And the second reason is because if you are using the same password on multiple accounts and one of those accounts should ever be compromised, then 
someone has access to all of your accounts now, right? So you remember the famous, I always use this example, poor Home Depot. I always, I always use them as the example, uh, but I'm going to use it again because it was so, so publicized. And so, so now Home Depot, this was a few years back, Home Depot gets hacked, right? So now if I have my email address and password on Home Depot, but I use that same email address and password combination on 10 other websites, well, now that somebody has that combination, they can get into all of those 10 or 11 websites now. If you change the password on each website, then the if there would, in the unlikely event, ever be a, a hacking or a problem of some sort like that, it's isolated to that particular website, Okay. Now, the question will arise, well, how do I come up with these unique, random, hard-to-guess passwords, and how do I remember them down the road? And I've got two words for you, and the other instructors here know exactly what I'm going to say. We could say it together <laughs> at the same time, right? Okay. iCloud keychain, right? Keychain. <laughs> keychain, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Keychain is, is so awesome. And I'm not going to talk about it just yet. I'm going to come back to it. I know I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago at the Safari presentation. I want to delve into it a little bit more today, but we're going to save that for a few minutes later. But I just want to point out that it's not, you don't have to come up with a whole bunch of random passwords and then remember them or write them down or something. There is a solution in Keychain and we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. Okay. But for right now, I just want to, I just want you to understand that for your Apple ID and for all of your web accounts and app passwords and all that. You want to use strong passwords and you want to use a different password for every site. Now, let's go back to the Apple ID where we started for a minute because there's a couple other things here. You know, I like to play the other side. So I'm just going to point out to you that a lot of people are going to say, well, all the passwords can be different, but can I have the same username so I don't have to remember them? But you just mentioned you don't have to remember, but you know some people are stuck in their ways. Just, you know. Right. Right. As an element. And if you're using your email address as the username, you're going to have the same username in many cases anyway, unless you've got a whole bunch of, you know, m- multiple email addresses. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be part of that. But again, it's just you don't want to have the same combination the whole way through. That's that's the big thing. Um, so the second thing with the Apple ID, right, is two factor authentication. Now, this really caused an uproar when it was first introduced in the visually impaired community. Uh, Cliff and I run a couple of lists together. Rita is a co-moderator and, you know, we've worked together a lot and, and we can all say, right guys, we all had a bunch of people complaining about two factor authentication. And I think it's because it was not only complaining, not only complaining about it, but confusion because, and we had this yesterday with uh, trainer Lynn, because a lot of people think that two-step authentication is the same as two-factor authentication, and they are totally different. That's right. That's exactly right. In Apple's parlance, in Apple's world, that they're two totally different things. Two-step verification, two-factor authentication, two very different things. Two-factor authentication is the better one, the more secure one, really the only one that's used now. Le- two-step is a legacy thing that, that Apple really kind of phased out. Um, and, and just... Just to interject, just right right where you are, Matt, I think a lot of the hesitancy in the blind community, now this is just an opinion, I've seen people do this, is when they've enabled the two-factor authentication and they've chosen to have the code sent to, say, an email or to their text message, 
what a lot of blind people have struggled with is they haven't mastered their editing skills you know, uh, prior to this latest, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but, but, you know, to go get the code and to remember the code and then go back to where right. they've got to put the code in, right. they've had difficulty because a lot of blind people are still just using Siri um, to dictate or, you know, they haven't mastered their editing skills in order to right. get onto the keyboard to put that code in. Right. Okay. And just to and, and just to interject, Rita, there's no longer an email or a or a text message. It's a push notification that comes to your device and it is required. You cannot set up an iOS device, any kind of Apple device, not even a Mac without oh, without you, you can't you can't you can't set up a, a, a Apple device without having two factor authentication enabled anymore. It's not even an option anymore, right? Nope. You have to, that's, that's, that's the first thing that it's going to tell you to do when you, <laughs> whether you create a new Apple ID or you already have one with a new device, right. it has to be right. enabled. And I think that's, yeah. I think it's about time. I, I'm surprised it took this long for that to occur, but you know, I, I think, yes, Rita, I think you're absolutely correct. Part of the hesitancy comes from the lack of editing skills. I also think part of it is what Cliff said. It's confusion about what is going to happen and what isn't going to happen. I, there's a lot of people that believe if they set up two-factor authentication, they're going to need a code like that every time they want to use their device or something, and that simply isn't so. So let's let's explain and clarify exactly what two-factor authentication is, what it does, and why it's so beneficial. So remember I told you before that there's no unsinkable ship, okay? But this is about as close as you're going to get. This is the, the ship that's made of the most sturdy military-grade material you can find. This is as close to the unsinkable ship as you will ever get. Because here's what happens. Two-factor authentication uses trusted devices. Now, a trusted device is any iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, or Mac. Um, is that all of them? I don't think the TV or the watch can be used as a trusted right now, right? Ooh, I don't, I'm not sure. I think it, I think it's iPad, iPhone, iPod, and and Mac. Well, anyway, uh, it, it uses these trusted devices. So any of those devices that you've successfully signed into your account already are trusted devices. Okay. Now, when someone else attempts to sign in, or any other device attempts to sign in, they're going to be brought to basically a place where they say, "We need a code," and that code comes to your trusted devices. So. Even if someone were to figure out your password, they are still going to be stopped at that point of entry. They cannot get in without a code. So here's how it plays out. You get a notification on your trusted devices saying, uh, we see a device from whatever, and it'll try to give you the location on a map. And it says, this device wants to sign into your Apple ID. Do you want to allow it or not. Now, if you say don't allow, it's over. The process stops right there. And it'll, it'll say, hey, maybe you want to change your password, but you know, it leaves it up to you. But it stops the process right there. It can go no further. If you say allow, then a six-digit code is displayed on your trusted devices, and you have to enter that code on the new device that you want to sign in. So when is this used? Is this used every single time? No. This is used the first time I set up a new device, unless I use the um, automatic setup where I hold the other device up to it, then I don't need 
two-factor. But otherwise, it's used the first time I set up a new device. It can happen when I factory restore a device and have to sign in. It can happen the first time I attempt to sign in from a web browser, okay? So even if I have an Apple device that's already been signed in, but let's say I visit iCloud.com or the Apple beta website or uh, the Apple developer website or one of these, the first time I'll get a two-factor authentication prompt. Then I can choose to say, remember this web browser, okay? So it can happen in all of those instances and probably more than I'm not thinking of, but that's the basics. Uh, you know, those are the acceptable cases when, when you mean for it to happen. It can also happen when a bad actor gets a hold of your password. Now, my wife actually had this happen. She got a notification on her device that said um, a, a device from, I don't know, like Beijing, China or something is trying to sign into your Apple ID. Do you want to allow it or not? Well, obviously, she hit don't allow and the event was over. Okay. Simple as that. And if you feel you ought to do so. You know, as I said, you'll be given the opportunity then to change your password. You don't have to, but you certainly can, and it's probably recommended at that point. But that is how two-factor authentication plays out. So what does it require of you? It requires a trusted device, at least one. And again, it's going to generate a random six-digit code. And then you can also add backup phone numbers in case you would ever not have access to any of your trusted devices. Now, where might this happen? Well, uh, let's suppose that I didn't, uh, let's say I you know, lost a device and it was my only device, somebody that maybe has only one Apple device and then they lost it. So they need to sign into iCloud from a third party device, a friend or family um, to, you know, to do something, try to file a claim or something. At this point, they're not going to have access to that trusted device. So there are Backup phone numbers. Now, you can have text message or phone call. The most important thing you want to do is make sure you keep your trusted phone numbers up to date. Now, I have I, I have four or five in there. I have my own phone number, and then I have my wife's number, my son's number. Uh, my daughter doesn't yet have a phone. She will in another year or two, but she doesn't yet. Uh, but I have my son's in there, and I think I even have my parents in there. Because then in, in the unlikely event, you know, then I could, I could say to them, hey, guys, Apple's about to call you with a code. Just, you know, tell me what that code is. So you have these backup trusted phone numbers, they're called, trusted phone numbers that work in conjunction with two-factor authentication only if you need them. But typically, it's going to be the push notification, as Cliff said, and as I described to you, pops up and says, somebody's trying to sign in. Do you want to allow it? If you say allow, it presents a six-digit code, and you'll enter that code on the device that's trying to sign in. And then it's done. Once it's done, you're signed in, you're good to go. Okay. So the only thing you want to do is keep your password. Always remember your password. And your Apple ID password is the one password you probably want to jot down outside of your um, keychain. You can store it in keychain as well. But just keep in mind, you can't access the keychain unless you can sign into your Apple ID. So that's the one you probably want to either memorize or, or write it down elsewhere just so you have it, okay? Once you get in there, you know, you'll be able to access all your other passwords if you store them in Keychain, which we're going to talk about. So that is two-factor authentication. That's why it's so important because it really truly stops them at the gate, even if they would get access to the password. And then, as I said, when you enable two-factor authentication, just make sure you always keep your trusted phone numbers up to date. 
and make sure that you always remember your Apple ID password. Apple cannot, absolutely cannot, restore forgotten passwords when you have this enabled. Uh, they There was some talk about... Um, if you could provide a proof of purchase or, you know, these types of things, but I'm not even sure how true that is with, with two factor authentication. And just so that, you know, the other thing you want to do, well, I'll come back to that in a second, but I just want to say Apple cannot restore. Uh, you might as well just operate under that assumption, cannot restore forgotten passwords. They don't have a, you know, a backdoor where they store your password somewhere or anything like that. You have to keep your Apple ID password. Now we're going to, um, go to Cliff and Rita a second. Do you guys have anything to add specifically on two-factor authentication? I think just, uh, I was slower to come around to this until I started working with uh, Matt and Cliff. Um, Because what I would do is I would braille out all my passwords. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, nobody can get this because, you know, nobody around me reads braille. I just got this Braille sheet that's got all my passwords on it. Okay. And it was a pain to keep up with when I had to change. And so I started finally kicking and screaming into using uh, the keychain for to storing my passwords. And now I let Apple generate those passwords that are very secure. Um, and it has been life-changing in terms of the the stress for me to have to manage and remember things so it i i came to this late because i was like oh i've got all my passwords i got it i got it you know (laughs) and and i didn't (laughs) so i would encourage people to do it because there's a lot of blind people that still are not um locking their phones you know they're not having passwords on there because they just want to be able to open the phone and it is not a good practice because they're again it's their editing skills in terms of entering these numbers um you know that they're afraid that they'll mess it up and so the, the more you use these things are for your safety and your whole life is on these apple ios devices and so right. Uh, it really is good to keep up with these practices. Absolutely. What I want to mention to you next is one more thing about the Apple IDs, and then we're going to talk about uh, the passcodes and third-party apps and all these things. But one more thing about the Apple IDs, and this actually happens by default. I don't even think you're I don't even think you're asked anymore if you want to. You'd have to specifically turn it off if you didn't want to, but I'm still going to say it. Make sure you have the Find My feature enabled. Uh, I guess the feature is actually still called Find My iPhone or Find My iPad or whatever, but the app is called Find My. Uh, But make sure you have that turned on for every Apple device that you have that supports it. Because not only does this help you to locate it if you would need to, it also turns on what is known as activation lock. And activation lock was designed as an anti-theft, you know, as a theft deterrent, basically. What it does is it means that even if somebody were to restore your device to factory settings, I mean, even if they hooked it to a computer and went into the DFU mode, the recovery mode, for those of you who know what that is, if, if you don't, that's okay, but it's a very, very uh, drastic, you know, recovery method. Even if they did that, 
they are still not going to be able to access your phone without your Apple ID password. And so what happens is, if a phone is restored in that manner, it's going to come up and it's going to say, hey, this was already signed into an Apple ID. Enter the password for that Apple ID. And they're not even not going only to for not only Not only for Apple devices, it also does it for Macs because yep. I restored my Mac last week because it was doing something funky and I couldn't fix it in you know, one instance in my life that I couldn't fix something. But anyway, I restored <laughs> the factory settings and the first thing that popped up when it said, it said this um, Mac was associated with an Apple ID. Do you have the password? I clicked yes. <laughs> I entered it and it let me in. Now, and let I... Me, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, let me ask you this question. Tell everybody, how many letters of your Apple ID did it show you? Did it tell you the whole Apple ID that it was signed in with? Nope. It showed me the Absolutely first and, and it showed me the first letter and the dot com. It didn't tell me what yep. domain it was at. It just said the right. first right. letter, a bunch of stars, and dot com. If you didn't know That's what right. the rest of it was, it sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> so you are yeah, I mean, you are basically dealing with a, a very expensive paperweight if you don't know your Apple ID and password, but this is designed as a theft deterrent. I mean, that's what it is. And again, Apple can do nothing about this. I had a person uh, last year, or maybe, maybe the beginning of this year, it was before the whole Corona thing started. We were doing more, you know, home visits to customers and stuff. And they had, they called me up and, and thankfully they were very okay with this. And they kind of wanted a new iPad anyway. And theirs was very old, but they, they hadn't used it in a while. And they said, Hey, um, I don't even have the same email address anymore. I don't remember my password and I had to restore the iPad and now it's activation locked. They didn't use that term. They didn't know that term, but that's, you know, paraphrasing. Uh, what can you do to help me? I said, uh, I can recommend a new iPad for you. <laughs> there, there is nothing that anybody can do. That, you know, that's a foolproof thing. So this yeah, just to follow up on that, do you remember yeah, a year ahead. or so ago, maybe it was two years ago, that a lady tried to sue Apple because they wouldn't help her get her password. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and this was back when they even had the the third the the third option of copy and pasting and printing out a recovery key. They don't even do that anymore. Nope. That was under the old two step. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you had to, you had the option to have a recovery key and they don't even do that anymore. So, but yeah, see it, this, this case went on for like six months and she finally was told, well, you know, they, they, in their terms and, uh, uh, you know, terms and conditions, they tell you that you've got to remember your password because we don't store it and we can't give it to you. We have no access to it. So that's right. That's right. And just so, to, to mention, yeah, that a, a lot of these things are, how do I say this, uh, dummy proofed. You know, Apple has <laughs> turned a lot of these things on for you. When you get a new device, they're automatically on. Um, and unless you purposely go in and turn some of these things off, some things you do have to enable. I, I think Keychain is not automatically on i'm not sure about that well yeah i'm trying to remember it's not you do have to turn that on but one thing you cannot turn off is the the two-factor authentication that cannot be turned off there's no way to do it that you like when when it first came out they gave you the option to do it but they've since got rid of that it comes on automatically and there's no turning it off yeah and And, like find 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 my yeah and um oh god icloud backup um, you know, some things are turned on by default because That's there right. are so many people that don't have a clue what's going on with their iDevices. And so it's kind of, 
<laughs> protected for them, even though they don't know they're being protected. That's right. Uh, That's right. You know, and so I would suggest you don't turn these things off. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, the only thing with Find My that you actually want to do is to take it a step further is, is to launch the Find My app whenever you get a chance. If you've never opened it, just open it up because it'll ask you, do you want to turn on the last known location feature? And this actually then takes things even a step further because if your device would uh, be out of battery power, at the very least, it would show you um, the last time it was uh, seen where it was seen. And then if it's not a battery power issue, but a, a connectivity issue, like if somebody would take it and not have it online, that actually, they, they've made provision for that in iOS 13 now. It, it uses um, nearby devices to attempt to locate it anyway. But if it's, if it's turned off, that's the only time you're going to really have an issue. But it at least will show you the last known location of the device. So you can uh, enable that by launching the Find My app. Um, so that's just another you know, little tidbit there. Now, um, I, I want to jump to some other things. And, and the first one I want to talk about is the device itself. Because Rita made reference to this, okay? A lot of people have it so that they uh, wake up their device and it instantly brings them to the home screen, right? Because they, and, and people, they have all sorts of reasons for doing that. But I think it is uh, a bad practice. I really do. I think you ought to use every feature uh, every security feature that they give you. And there's always going to be on all the modern devices, except for the iPod touch, I guess is the only one that doesn't, uh, all the other devices. Um, you know, as far as what app, uh, iPad, iPhone, um, you know, whatever, there's always going to be some form of biometric. Now the, the iMacs don't have that yet. The MacBooks do, uh, but not the, uh, not the iMacs yet. Uh, but there's always, you know, on all these other devices, the ones we're really focused on, there will be some form of biometric authentication. It will either be touch ID, you know, the fingerprint on the home button, or it will be face ID, which is on the iPad Pros and the iPhone 10 series and newer. And that's going to provide an extra layer of convenience and security. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I think let's do it. Let's talk about um, especially Face ID, because I think some people choose not to use Touch ID, but I think at least Touch ID is pretty well respected by this point. But you have some folks in the in the visually impaired community who uh, who are concerned about Face ID because they think that not being able to see means that they're not going to be able to use Face ID. You know, I used to make the mistake of when I first started using Apple products, uh, every time they announce a new feature, I would think, how in the world am I going to do that as a blind person? Boy, I really hope Apple thinks about that. And you know what? They've never let us down once. They always think about it. They've got a team of people that actually sits in a conference room and says, how are we going to make this accessible for voiceover users? And I happen to know that for a fact, that they have that team. And I think the, the moment that I stopped being concerned about it was when Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, was asked at some sort of an interview or a press conference, or I don't know, when the Apple Watch was first announced, he didn't come right out and say that it was going to have voiceover on it. You know, he didn't talk about that at the keynote presentation. 
And later on, somebody asked him, you know, before it went to um, public release, somebody asked him, is the, you know, you didn't mention, Tim, about the Apple Watch having voiceover. Is that something you're going to include in the, the Apple Watch or not? And his response is what I'll never forget and what truly made me stop asking ever the question. Because he looked at that person and he was like, um, why wouldn't we? Like, that was his answer. Like, why not? You know, what, we want these products to be available to everyone. And, and that, was, that was the moment for me, you know? So Face ID, does it work with voiceover? Does it work for a blind person? Why wouldn't it? And so let's talk about a couple of the misconceptions, a couple of the myths, a couple of the concerns. The first one is that you got to have really good eye contact or real eyes or anything like that. It's not an iris scanner, so you don't have to have real eyes, first of all. Secondly, there is a setting that is disabled by default when voiceover is on, okay? But you can enable it if you want to. Trainer Cliff has it enabled. He actually says he can still do it, even though he has no sight. Uh, and it's called the um, require attention feature. And it makes it so you have to specifically look at your phone to unlock it so that somebody couldn't like hold it up to your face while you were sleeping or something. Uh, as I said, when you have voiceover on during the Face ID setup, it automatically turns off that require attention feature. But Cliff, you still have it enabled, right? And, and you never have any problems even with it enabled, right? You know how to right. your That's what right. I thought. Yeah, it, it works like I mean, and if the, the lights not, people think that you have to have light in order to use Face ID. That's not the case either. That's right. That was going to be my next one. That that's the next misconception is that it uses the light, and so if you have bad lighting in the room, then it's not. That is totally not true. The Face ID has nothing to do with the light around you. It is dot projectors, and so it's this technology that actually projects these dots to create and form a three D map of your face. All right. So it has got nothing to do with, um, with the light in the room and, uh, it, it just works. So, uh, you know, face ID is something you can easily learn, uh, to, to use and to, it's not a hard process at all. Um, you know, if you, uh, I typically tell people the biggest challenge to learn, maybe if you're not used to it is, um, you got to hold it a little bit away from your face, not right up against it. I, I kind of hold my arm at a little bit of an angle. I don't even know if you really need to, um, but I do that just to, you know, it seems to work best for me that way. But it, 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 it's a bit of a, a counterintuitive to those of us who can't see, you know, until we learn otherwise. Uh, you know, you think that, well, if I want to see something better, I hold it up close. Well, that's not the way that um, face recognition or cameras even for that matter work. You know, you have to move back a little bit from the subject. And so in this case, that's kind of the same thing. But that's about the only thing. I mean, it's real straightforward and really easy to use. And on the iPads that have it, it doesn't even matter which way the iPad is facing. I mean, you just kind of glance down at the thing and it unlocks, you know, it's it's super simple. Um, and, and Touch ID is great too. I, I like Touch ID, you know, equally well. But I mean, I'm just saying it's really, really simple to use Face ID. So I highly encourage you to enable whatever biometric authentication method your devices have. Turn it on for unlocking. Turn it on for uh, purchases from the you know App Store and iTunes Store and so on. And turn it on for the third-party apps that are secure apps, like maybe, for example, a security system app or your PayPal app or you know other ones. And also turn it on for Apple Pay. Because you can, we talked all about Apple Pay last week. And you remember, you can just be, you know, at your store, at your restaurant, double click that side button, just look at your phone, 
and it's now ready to go and you can you know make your payment. So it's really convenient. You want to use your biometrics, but you also want to use the passcode because when you restart your device, it's going to ask for that passcode. And every now and then it will prompt you for the passcode anyway, just to, just to be sure. And that is a method of, um, you know, just a, a, another way of, of really securing uh, your device. And if there would be any issues then with um, touch ID or face ID, for example, the recent mask requirement has made it challenging to use uh, face ID when you're out and about because you got to wear a mask or a face covering. And in iOS, 13.5 or 13.6, somewhere along the way there, they added the feature that if a mask is detected, it will automatically default to asking you for your passcode. It's not going to keep trying, um, you know, several attempts at, at face ID. If it sees the mask, it's just going to, you know, ask you right away for the, um, the passcode. Uh, the other thing I can say about face ID while we're on that subject is it's not affected by glasses. You can wear glasses. You can not wear glasses, you know, unless they're really, really thick glasses, but for most people, it's not an issue. Um, it's not affected by like, um, the differences in, you know, let's say makeup or facial hair, you know, you decide not to shave one day. It's okay. It's still going to recognize you. You know, it, it, it makes, um, allowances for that. And it's very, very secure. The only time you may ever have an issue is with twins because for obvious reasons, that becomes a, a challenge to differentiate but other than that, you've got nothing to worry about. Face ID is really, really good. Touch ID is really good. And of course, use that passcode. Anything else about that one, guys, before we move on? No, I would. Uh, it's, 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 uh, I love Face ID. It's, it's awesome. It's so much yeah, faster. I do too. I do just, too. It really, really is good. So. Yep, it is. All right. Okay, I think what we'll do is uh, take our first round of questions, and then when we come back from Q&A, we will talk about the third-party stuff, including the all those passwords that you want to save in your iCloud keychain. We'll talk about, um, you know, what about email attachments, all that good stuff, okay? So let's take some questions first, if you don't mind, Mika. I don't mind at all. If you <laughs> have a question, um, you can ask it. Uh, if you're on your phone, it will be star nine. <clears throat> if you are on your uh, smartphone or tablet, there is a raise hand option right there. So it should be like toward the left-hand side of the screen, I do believe, kind of toward the bottom. Um, a bunch of you figured it out. <laughs> and um, if you are using a PC, it's Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, it's Option-Y. And um, when you are allowed to talk, the the muting and then mute buttons will will um, appear. So you'll get a little notification. Unless you're on a phone, then you can just start talking. So let's see. And Matt, just so you know, this is the biggest crowd I've seen in here for you. Is that right? Yeah. So it looks well, like that's awesome. 62 people. Wow. All right. Um, Linda, Linda, you should be able to unmute. Oops. Linda, Yax, it shows that you're unmuted, but I don't hear oh. you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, we finally. Got <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, thank you so much for all this information. I have one quick question. 
on the older iPhones, you had the little home button down at the bottom, and, and that's where you did your Touch ID. I now have an iPhone 10. Where do I put my thumb to do the Touch ID? So the iPhone 10 is not going to have Touch ID. It's going to have Face ID. That's okay. one of the ones that that's been, yep. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. And Matt, let's like you. Um, every time that Apple came up with something new, actually, my thing was, my thing was, I'm never going to use it. So new yeah. phone came out, never going to use it. No, never going to use it. <laughs> and, and now I, so I would, I, I actually have a question about Face ID. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind. So with places um, that have, that require like a mandated mask wearing. Right. Um, would it be better to just have, you know, because when you're on the go, that is really what I want to be using Face ID, but then it wouldn't recognize my face with the mask on. Right. Um, uh, yeah. What do you think? It, I, it, that, that's going to be just one of those instances that I think there's just some things in life that because of this whole COVID. I would recommend, insanity. Mika, just because you're able to set up an alternate appearance, I would do one with the mask on. That's what I do because we're having. I was I just going to suggest that. <laughs> I, work, I work at a grocery store and we're closed at night, so we're not required to wear one at night. But when we open at six, I'm there until 730. I have an alternate appearance set up. So when I'm using my phone on the floor, because sometimes I have to look up stuff for customers, I have an alternate appearance. So when I have my mask on, it still unlocks the phone for me. So that actually then will allow if you, okay. So what he's talking about under settings and then under face ID and passcode, you um, have the opportunity to add, and that is what they call it. Add an alternate appearance, you know, a second appearance. And that will, so if you do the, if you enroll in the uh, face ID with the mask on as your alternate appearance, then that would, now I guess the only challenge would be if, I don't know what would happen, Cliff, if you had a different mask or, you know, something like that, would that, would that be? I don't know. I always use, I always, I have like three packs of 10 in my locker and they're all and, okay, black. So they're, so all, they're, all, the, they're okay. all the same color. Right. So. so then that's a great option. Yeah. That, that I didn't even think of that. I got to admit that that's an excellent way to do it. Uh, and, and then if you ever are going to be in a different mask or something is, is you know, that's where I was going to say, I think it's just one of those things that has been made more. Uh, there's just things we have to deal with because of this, that we never the had first. before. You know, well, um, I didn't but, know I could have an alternate. I, I'm like yes. an alter ego now. That'd still be cool. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you basically have the same as I think a lot of us do now, we kind of have our, you know, masks that we use and, you know, whatever. So that that would be the exact way to to solve that problem. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, next question is from Mary Hopped. You can unmute yourself. Hi, everybody. Hi there. My question is. Going back to your introduction, um, I have my iPhone and I wouldn't give it up for anything, but sometimes I feel that Apple is stalking me because I will have a certain album on in my music app or a certain podcast on in my podcast app, and I'll go back to listen to it a few hours later, a day later, and I'm not in that album or podcast at all. I've been rerouted to something else and I've got to got to find it again. I can't even just press the um the play on the mini player. So why would they do something like that? Well, that really isn't Apple, it's just the the technology. So, 
the the playback position of your music or your podcast or you know whatever is going to stay for a while but if you restart your device or if the app eventually goes to a suspended state from an active state uh or if you deliberately force quit the app or you know there's a number of conditions which will cause that to go away and it could potentially be if there's something trending or recommended that it it may take its place but usually just nothing takes its place usually it just ends up you know but but you can also find that you know maybe something you didn't even think about has taken its place like if you had to listen to an audio challenge from a captcha online or you were watching a video on youtube or you know a website then that becomes the thing in active play but again it it all goes it, you know over time the thing that you played is not going to just stay there indefinitely uh because it is an app it is using memory and apple manages memory in ways that are very beneficial to us so over time those things get removed after a while now if you do when you do find the the album or the song or the podcast again it will be at the place where you left off so you can resume anyhow all right our next question is from wes wes you should be able to unmute Okay. Yes. Uh, I have an iPhone 7 Plus with the uh, Touch ID. And before then, before I used my, just my iPads, I never did activate it, you know, the uh, Pascal lock because it's a, it was such a pain in the butt to have to fidget with every time I wanted to open my iPad. But my iPhone Touch ID, I decided I'd go ahead and leave this lock on recording a Pascal Touch ID because I thought that was a lot handier. And for the most part, it has been. But the problem I've been having with Touch ID is some unreliability. It'll go good for a while. I set my fingerprints. I'll set You know, next day I go use my phone. It forgot my fingerprint. And, and I'm still trying to have to enter in my passcode. And I'm curious, is Face ID more reliable than Touch ID? And also, yes. And also, <laughs> how, what's, as, from a security standpoint, how secure is Face ID compared to Touch ID? So Face ID is actually going to be even more secure than Touch ID. I forget what the statistics were that Apple stated. It's something like there's a with Face with Touch ID. There's like a I don't know. Well, like they say a, that it's so secure that identical twins can't even unlock each other's phones. And and what was the the statistic was like <laughs> with Touch ID? It's like one in a hundred thousand chance that somebody else would be able to and with face id it was like one in a million or something i mean it's yeah, I don't something remember. like that something i like that yeah, yeah i remember now, when face id first came out that that's a that's a that's what they said that identical twins wouldn't even be able to unlock each other's phones that's how that's how accurate face id is and, and just yeah. a, just a suggestion with the uh finger uh id because that's what you've got on your ipad is to go into settings and um re do uh, like you can program several fingers. Okay. You know, for add additional fingers for touch ID, like say one of your fingers got burnt or something, you know, and you needed to use a different finger. Well, you could do up to like, what is it? Several, six, yeah. 10. I think I forget how many it is, but it is like, several, just like the, just like it's the only five. Alternate appearance. five. Yeah. Okay. F- okay. So, yeah, five. so you could do three times with just the one finger you use all the time. And then right, two right. more times with, say, a different finger. 
Do you see what I'm saying? You could program the same finger several times so it would have more of a chance. Um, And also a suggestion is to clean your phone regularly uh, because that sensor, that tiny little sensor on that home button gets clogged. Um, And sometimes if there's something on your hands, you know, your fingers, um, it might not recognize it. It's, it's, uh, it is, I've had trouble with touch ID, but those tricks have really helped. Yeah. And and I just want to speak to that a little bit more too. Yeah. There's nothing inherently unreliable about touch ID, but it can be affected by several things. And, And one of them Rita has already mentioned, if you've got something on your finger or on the home button where you're supposed to place your finger, which is going to be far more common than we realize if we're not really careful about keeping our phone clean, that can happen if we you know, don't realize. So that's one of them. The other thing is if you have very, very dry skin or if your hands are wet, uh, if you have um, a lot of like people that have um, arthritis or, uh, you know, my dad deals with rheumatoid arthritis and, and some issues like that. And it has caused his fingers to just the way that they, you know, touch ID was almost impossible for him to use because I don't know what really happened to the texture of his finger because of that, but it, you know, it definitely was um, an issue so much so that he ended up buying an iPad pro pretty much just so that he could get face ID. You know, he really doesn't use it for the kind of tasks where you'd need an iPad pro, but it was that singular thing that, you know, really pushed him over the edge. So um, yeah, there are definitely things you can do um, to try to help that. And, And what Rita said is, very good. Just like the face ID alternate appearance that we told Mika about with the touch ID, you can have up to five fingers profiled and, and some people will profile the same finger five times even so that it has more of a chance of, of accuracy. All right. Um, let's see. Our next question is going to be from Diane. Okay. Diane Scalzi, you should be able to unmute yourself. Diane, there should be a mute button on your screen asking you to unmute. I think I got it. There you are. There you got it. (laughs) Okay. Um, My question is, I have my phone set up to require my password when I use Apple Pay because I seem to never be able to get that button, that side button to work. And I'm wondering what I'm doing wrong. Uh, just a suggestion with that um, to what what uh, what ha- what works for me is when I'm going to purchase something. Okay, you're standing at the cash register, you know, and it's kind of stressful because there's people around you and and so forth. But what you do is you take your phone out and you have the back of your phone facing the card reader okay and you want it over the screen the actual screen of the card reader and so what you do is you hit the side button twice quickly hold the phone up look at it and then put it back down on the screen like five inches away from the screen now my phone i have a case and the case covers the back of the phone that's doing it then that's the if the if the camera is not exposed. Okay, you know where that, like, does your... The camera is exposed. There's a window at the back of your case. Is there a window at the back of your case, or is it a lift away out of the case for your... Like, is that window exposed at the back? The camera is exposed. Okay, well, so that, can, that'll be fine. That's fine. Okay. 
Okay. Just make sure that's clean. You know what I mean? Like oh. use a, a an approved cleaner with it, you know, uh, but that that's correct. Okay. The glass is facing you. Okay. Right. You go through cash register, you find the screen, you know, you say, okay, where's the screen at? <laughs> okay. You hold the phone a few inches away from that screen, click the button twice, lift the phone up, look at it. Okay. And then come back down to the screen and you hear a ding and it's done. And, and I would even say, you know, if you know, if it's a concern, you can even authenticate a little bit ahead of time. Okay. It's not, there's, it's not endless. Like it will time out after, I don't know if it's 90 seconds or 60 seconds or something like that. But in other words, if the cashier is just about done and you know that she's, he or she is going to be asking you to pay, you know, within the next minute or so, you can authenticate a little bit ahead of time so that you are ready to go so that when they say, okay, your totals, you know, 5297, you've already looked at your phone, you've already double clicked the side button. Now you really can just hold it up and pay. And I do that sometimes anyway, um, just because why not? You know, I'm just standing there waiting for them to ring up the stuff. So why not get it ready? Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've done that too. Okay. I think that's all that we're going to take for right now. For the um, yeah, yeah, that's probably good. Um, yep. That looks, that looks great. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. So what we're going to do is talk about a couple more things. Um, uh, first one I want to talk about is all these passwords that you have. We started talking about it a little bit ago. Of course, we're talking about Keychain. We referenced this a few weeks ago when we talked about Safari. Keychain stores your login credentials. And actually, it even stores payment methods. It's not Apple Pay, but it, it will store credit cards for you know sites that don't use Apple Pay and stuff. And um, it's very secure. It's military-grade encryption. It allows you to quickly and instantly recall your password and username with just, again, touch ID, face ID, or your passcode. It can suggest and create new strong passwords when you are, you know, setting up accounts online in, uh, on the web or in apps. It will let you know if you have a password that you're reusing too many times, which is basically you know, anything more than once. Uh, and, you know, it'll ask you, you probably want to change this password, you know, because you're using it a lot. You know, it'll let you know that. And um, it really just works. It is a fantastic way to uh, store all of your passwords, all of your usernames, and, and never have to worry about them. Now, you can make sure that this is... Um, enabled for iCloud because you want the iCloud portion of Keychain also so that it will you know sync across all your devices so that when you sign up for an account on one device, that password is saved everywhere. So you, you can check this out by going to settings and then double tapping on your name, which is right up there at the top, just past the search area. And then you will double tap on iCloud. And under there, you'll find the apps using iCloud, and Keychain is one of them. You want to have that turned on. Now, whenever you go to a website and you're setting up a new account, you double-tap in that password field, you'll get a message that pops up on the screen, and it'll say, iPhone created or iPad created a strong password for use on this website, and it will be saved 
in iCloud Keychain for use on all of your devices. And you have a choice. You can say use strong password or, you know, create my own. I always recommend using the strong one. And it just automatically gets saved. Okay. There's a lot of passwords that I have that I couldn't even tell you what they are because I just let Keychain create them. Now, when you want to recall one, when you actually want to use it to sign into something, it's as easy. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's as easy as double tapping in the edit field. And it's either going to appear at the very bottom of the screen and say, log into whatever site, use this, and you just double tap on that, or there'll be a keyboard button there. And then the other way it appears sometimes is right above the on-screen keyboard, like above the letters U, I, and O, and you'll have password suggestions there, and you'll have access to your full list of keychain passwords. And it will not show you what they are, but it will enter the password into the field for you. Uh, It does require authentication. You know, you got to, again, when you go to choose a password and enter it in there, it's going to ask for touch ID or face ID or whatever. And so it's, you know, very quick. It's very easy. You don't have to worry about forgetting your passwords. They're just stored there and they're secure. If you let iCloud Keychain create them, you know that they're going to be the strong passwords that you need to uh, help you feel better about your security online. I love keychain i mean and that's what you were talking about a little bit a little bit ago right rita that how easy that is to use um how much that's really simplified things for you if Rita can use it it has got to be easy so (laughs) one thing i want to point out matt or ask you um because i know some people are wondering if say a, a password doesn't generate a password for you can you get keychain to do that for you if if the you mean if the website doesn't cause the keychain to do it automatically right yeah so you can add your passwords into keychain manually if you you know normally it will it'll prompt you to create one or to save it in the keychain but every once in a while you're going to run into a website that's just coded in a weird way and it doesn't you know cause that prompt to occur so you can actually go into the keychain settings it's it's actually under settings and then passwords and accounts um which is slightly renamed here in ios 14 but that's a topic for another time uh but it is it's you know you go in there and then you go to uh what did they call it app and website passwords i think it said or something like that i haven't used 13 now in a while i'm on 14 but i think that's what it said and it'll ask you to authenticate and it shows you your entire list of passwords first of all and that is how you can look at your passwords if you really want to for some reason but it's also how you can manually add a password to the keychain if you need to uh and i don't know as i say i don't know why just the way websites are coded, every once in a while you're going to run into one. It's not very often. Google used to be that way. I think they finally fixed that. But it used to be the Google websites would not automatically create or save the passwords for you. And so you used to have to go in and manually save your Google um, passwords, you know, so that you'd have them for later. And you could recall them later when you were trying to enter them. But um that's uh, a little bit about Keychain. Uh, it's very useful for all those third-party app passwords, website passwords, all these accounts that you have. You can store all that in there, easily recall it, um, and it just works. I mean, it's it's so seamless. It works on all of your Apple devices. Now, somebody might be asking, well, what if I also have a Windows device? You know, so now it's not just the Apple ecosystem. I need something that's cross-platform. Well, you actually 
can use an app like LastPass or OnePassword, and that will work with Keychain. Uh, it will Keychain will actually. How does that work, Cliff? Because you used to do that for a, a little while before you switched entirely to just using Keychain. Yeah, it. What it does is there's an option now. As I think they started in iOS 13, where you can when it, right next to autofill, there's if you have a third party um password manager installed you can double tap on it and it can or keychain will ask you which ones you want to use if you want to use keychain if you want to use one password or last pass or you can use them all you have passwords stored in each individual it will you can have them all on so it'll pull the password from the website that you're on and you know ask you if you want to autofill with touch id or face id or whatever so but with one password i think you have to there's an ios in-app purchase and there's a purchase as well on i don't think there's a free version for windows there used to be a free version for ios but that has since changed in ios 12 so i don't know too much more about it because when keychain implemented the fact that you could store credit cards and now you can lock your passwords when or you can lock notes i had no more use for it so i, I stopped using it a couple of years ago so right right Okay. One other thing I wanted to point out too that I you I know you didn't forget, and it has nothing to do with passwords and well, it kind of has to do with security though. But say I go to Matt's house and I want to get on his Wi-Fi, and he's like, "Well, the password's too long, or I just don't feel like giving it to you." But if I go to if I go tap on it, it's gonna send a push notification to his phone and says my my phone is named Defiant because I'm a real big I'm a Trekkie and um DS9's name of their ship was Defiant so and I like because I'm a Defiant person anyway but anyway the name, the name <laughs> of my phone is Defiant and it's gonna say um, Defiant wants to join your network do you want to allow this he would tap yes it fills in the password on my device device for me automatically I hit join and I'm done so he never has to give me his password. Just another implement of security that Apple um, put into our system so we don't have to share passwords no matter where it's at. That's right. Exactly. That's a great feature. And again, that's Wi-Fi password sharing. It's super convenient, really makes things easy. And as Cliff said, you don't have to worry about telling somebody your password and they don't have to worry about entering a potentially long and complex password. Uh, so now the, the, the caveat, I think, is they have to be in your contacts for that to work. Is that right? Yes, they have to be in your contacts. Okay. All right. That's what I thought. Okay. So that's Wi-Fi password sharing. So we got keychain. We got Wi-Fi password sharing. What else can we tell you about? Well, here's one thing we want to definitely <coughs> tell you about. Actually, you know, hopefully hopefully there's not too much background noise, but with the, the system that you used to have, Google Wi-Fi, and the one that I have now, the Euro system, Technically, they don't have to be in your contacts because there's a feature in settings where it says share my password or um, invite a guest. And all I got to do is tap that and then type in the first letter or type in the person's name or maybe if they're on Bluetooth or Wi-Fi to find a device. I haven't done it with the Euro system yet. It sends it to them and then it fills it in. So I, I, I have to get back to you on that one and tell you how it works. But I know there is a share password feature in that. I mean, it was in Google Wi-Fi. And it would just send a text to that person with the token, I think, with the Euro yeah. system. I don't know how it does it because I haven't had to do it yet. That's right. And so there are provisions for that. Go ahead, Rita. 
Oh, that's great. I and remember me talking about you know I had all my passwords brilled out you know from long time ago you know from <clears throat> websites I'd been on and you know things I've had passwords for for a long time and I sat down one afternoon and went into passwords and accounts and um, added my uh, all my brilled out notes uh, for you know previous passwords. Uh, for things that I had, you know, like QVC and <laughs> that's so know, funny. I'm just laughing because we know we always pick on you about the CDO thing. Any other person in the world would have just waited until they needed one and then would have said save password at that time. But you actually took the time, and I that's something that's, you know. Yeah, I did. <laughs> or, or it could be the fact that she's retired and has too much time on her hands. So. <laughs> But it does. It, it's so useful, though, right? I mean, it really just very makes all useful. It it's so secure, and whenever I need a, a password, I need to to find it for whatever reason. I can just go in there and grab it, you know, or it comes up when I'm on a site, you know, or whatever. It's it's just so it's yeah, getting yeah. better and better and better. Oh my god, it's right. just getting so much better every right. time. It's just so much easier than it used to be. It, it is definitely it does it's great all right last thing i want to tell you about and we'll check in one more time with the other instructors then we'll take final questions but one last thing i want to just tell you about is just the really common sense stuff okay don't open email attachments from people that you don't know if you suspect somebody didn't send you an attachment even if you do know them check with them first get a hold of them separately if they sent you something on facebook and you don't really think it reflects something they would normally send you check with them first get a hold of them directly where you can have a conversation with them over the phone or by text message where you know their number not facebook messenger but iMessage. you know did you really send me this uh don't open stuff you don't know the source from don't go to, you know, don't, there's in the address bar in Safari where the web address, so you double tap in there, you know, to do an address and search. It'll tell you a not secure website. Now, there are some reputable places that are still using not secure websites because unfortunately some web designers still do that uh, for whatever reason. But at least make sure if it's not a business you've ever heard of and it's not secure, that's probably not a good sign. You know, maybe you want to browse away and uh, try something else. VPN, there's different opinions on VPNs. I don't use them personally. I know Trainer Cliff has used them at times. Um, they're not a bad thing. They can be good. I, I just don't use them. But here's the thing. If you're not going to use them, use some common sense. When you're not home, you know, you go to public Wi-Fi network at a restaurant somewhere, you know, maybe don't sign into your bank account on public Wi-Fi, you know, uh, wait till you get home or at least you're on cellular, you know, to do something like that. And, uh, finally, last point, don't give your information to people and don't respond to, you know, you get these emails or these phone calls from Apple saying, or, or, you know, maybe your wireless carrier or somebody else saying, you know, we've detected suspicious activity and we are going to, I mean, I've actually seen ones that say, you know, the police are after you. We're going to, you know, we are warrant for your arrest or you know, more common is that uh, we're going to close your account in three days. If you don't click this link to verify your password and social security, never, ever, ever do that. Apple, AT&T, Sprint, Verizon, T-Mobile, Comcast, none of these companies will ever contact you in that way asking you to verify your information. If you think maybe there really is a problem, 
use the actual contact number that you know for these companies or go to their website directly or to the app, the account management app for that particular place. Do not respond to those other things. They are all frauds. They're all phishing scams to try to get your information, to get you to provide your identity and your critical information to people who really shouldn't have it. Guys on the team, anything else to add before we take our final questions for today? Um, yes, just a couple of really common sense things. Uh, don't leave your phone out in the sun. Um, don't leave your phone out in freezing you know, temperatures. Um, uh, clean your screen often <laughs> with an approved cleaner, uh, you know, such as microfiber cloths. Um, uh, they have announced that you could use Clorox wipes for your phone. I would wring them out a little bit. You don't want a lot of water exposure and do it very quickly and lightly. Don't press hard. Um, and also, uh, once once a week, now other people do this different times, but once a week, usually on Sunday nights, I shut down my iDevices and just turn them off completely and then turn them back on a few minutes later just to do a reset. But that's me compulsive. <laughs> I actually think Trainer Cliff does that too. But is it is it necessary to go into your app switcher and kill all your apps? No. No, it's not. <laughs> a lot of, that's a but, but Matt, if, if I don't, it's going to use up my battery and I'm going to have to charge it twice a day. What's wrong with you? Rita, you can do what you want. If you want to close all those apps, you close them. Why yeah, do they give me grief about this? Oh, my God. There's, there are certain apps like Maps, for example. If you're in Maps... I always close them out, okay? I would actually have to agree with you on that one because it's always using your location in the background and you don't want it, you know, because the GPS apps, Matt, as you know, are big um, battery hogs. So Yeah, yeah. If, if there's any app you would do it with, and I don't even do it with those, but yes, if there is an app you would ever do it with, it's going to be a GPS app or some kind of app that's using background audio because I've seen weird things with like, metronome or microphone apps or something where the audio doesn't behave properly until you get that app out of the app switcher. But yeah, on a, on a typical basis every day, of course, Cliff was joking about the battery thing because that's a very common uh, belief is that it's going to use a lot of battery. Actually, you're using more processing power and more battery power to force quit and relaunch that app because Apple knows how to memory manage and they know how to you know cause the uh, how to prevent the apps from using a ton of stuff, but to preserve the state in which we last use the app. So yeah, absolutely. Just another tidbit there. All right. We're getting close to time. So we're going to grab a couple of questions. Your questions. Yeah. And yes. Oh, so you're not trying to you're not trying to move just to make sure I understand. You're not trying to move data from one Apple ID to another. You just want to literally change the Apple ID itself. Yeah, yeah, that's very easy to do. I don't know if you can do it from settings on your phone and, and go into settings and then your name and do it there, but you definitely can do it from Safari on it's Apple. It's gonna take ID. them to the website. It's gonna take them to Apple ID Apple.com. Yeah. Right. That's now, it. Yes, the, Apple ID dot Apple. There's com. one exception though. You can change it as long as you're not changing it to you can't change it to an at 
iCloud.com. The only way that you can get an iCloud.com email address or Apple ID, if that's what you want, is you have to get a new one. You cannot change your current Apple ID to an iCloud.com one. Now, if you're going from Gmail to Yahoo, Yahoo to Outlook, Outlook to AOL, oh, you can do that all day, any day, but you can't right. change it to an iCloud.com domain. It has to be set. That has to be set up as new. Now you can you can you can add an iCloud uh, Apple ID to your existing one though to to work underneath it. You can do that, but yeah. So that's where you're going to go to settings and then passwords and accounts and then app and website passwords or whatever that says there. And it's going to give you the whole list of them. And you can, uh, you can't get the whole thing saved, but you can, if you, any one of them that you want, if you double tap and hold or long press on the password where it says password and it actually reads it to you, it will bring up a menu that lets you airdrop that password or copy it to the clipboard. So you could copy the password and then paste it in a document or something or a note. All right. Um, we're going to go to Karen. Karen M., you should be able to unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. I would like to share my experience with Touch ID. I have a 6S Plus, and um, for the longest time, my Touch ID would never work. I contacted Apple. I went to the Apple store. They even changed out my phone, and the, and the Touch ID still would not work. I figured out on my own that it was because I have small fingers and I, so I primarily, once I started using my thumb instead of the other fingers, it worked. So, um, I, so, the, so that's a thing too. Use your biggest finger and make, you know, maybe left and right or whatever. And so that would help it to work. And Matt, I would like you to know that I turned on my keychain during this presentation. So now if I ever see save this password, it will automatically go to my keychain. That's correct. Yes. I'm proud of you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big step to do yeah. this. You know, you're like, Ooh. <laughs> right. Yes. And and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, Matt, I tried to contact you to get on your blog subscription. I've sent an email and I have also filled out the form on your website. So I never got a response. So I'm not quite sure exactly how to do it correctly. Um, I don't, if I, if I get you know, email messages from people, I typically respond to them within, you know, a couple of business days. And I don't recall seeing your name. Um, were you unable to just subscribe directly on the website though? There is a, what, what device are you using when you're trying to go um, to the website? Either an iPhone or an iPad. Well, there may be a button that says menu and widgets at the top. And if you double tap on that button, it will expand the website to show all of the links. And there is a page, uh, there is a, a place right on the main web page of ttjtech.net that actually says um, subscribe, enter your email address to subscribe or something, right, Rita? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, subscribe to follow the blog by email is what it's But I did, fill, 
I did fill out a form a week or two ago. And so should I have received some sort of response from that? Yes, you should have gotten an email. Right. It sends you an email to confirm your identity and then you have to click a link in that email. Okay. That did not happen. I guess I'll try again. Okay. Now just, just for, just for, are you getting currently, we, I had this happen with somebody else. Are you getting any emails currently to T from the tech juggernaut? Are you getting any? Okay. Okay. Because somebody was, and they didn't associate the tech juggernaut with ttjtech.net. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because we tell people, go to ttjtech.net and follow the blog by email. Okay, so what I would do is try it again. Okay, go to ttjtech.net. Okay, um, hit the menu and widgets button in the upper left-hand corner. And then look for the link, subscribe to the blog by email. Try it again. Okay, um, and put your email in and hit the submit. Okay. Right. And that's the only thing that's asked of you. It's, so make sure you're not on the wrong form, too, because that's the only thing that's asked of you is your email, not your name or anything else. Just enter your email address and click submit, I think it says, or follow or something. And okay. if it doesn't work? And then, then send an email to um, the check juggernaut at iCloud.com. So it's T H E T E C H J U G G E R N A U T at iCloud.com. Right. Okay. And um and what's your what's your name? My name's Karen Mangello. Karen, okay. Okay. So Karen, if you don't uh, get a response from Matt, um, contact, you know, um, one of the ACB people and they'll yell at him or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote to Cindy this morning, but I'm going to try this again. So, um, okay, great. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Thank you. And we've got time for one more let's sneak in one more question here. So I'm going to go to, um, your area code is nine, seven, eight, and you are unmuted. Wow. Hi, could you get closer to your phone? Number 12. H12. Oh, no. Okay. One moment. It's like Apple. All right. They were busy. So Mm -hmm. we'll go to... (laughs) Okay. Um, Area code 916. You're unmuted. Oh, my gosh. I'm not having good luck here. (laughs) Area code is 916. You're unmuted. Your hands are in the air. (laughs) Okay. All right, we'll go to the next person. You guys know that you raised your hands. Right. Okay. Um, Are we just like hearing you talk, Mika? That's okay. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Rick, don't fail me. Rick, you can unmute yourself. <laughs> Rick. Oh, you got to be kidding me. You guys. <laughs> Your hands are raised. Hello, are you talking to me? Yes. Yay. Yes, thank you. Oh, we got him. So my, my number is uh, 978. Okay, go ahead. All right, no, I just wanted to find out. Um, I'm new with the iPhone, and I wanted to know. He's going to ask me for Apple ID. I don't have that. How do I obtain my Apple ID? Well, if you're new to the iPhone, do you already have an Apple ID, or have you never created one? No, uh, I have an Apple iPhone, 
And I had a, a program like one of the instructors, but I never got the ID number. Well, okay, an Apple, so, I, an Apple, I, I because it tells me, I tell an Apple, I said, I want a, a, hey Siri, I want that Apple ID number. And they tell me to read the screen and it doesn't read the screen. Well, uh -huh. so your, your Apple ID is going to be your email address. That's your, your Apple ID is going to be an email address that you would have used to set it up. Oh, and, I see. Yeah. And there's going to be a password. Now, you know, one of the things uh, you said, an instructor helped you set it up. Yeah. I'm waiting to hear from her now. Yeah. That would definitely be the, the best thing you could do. Cause there might be some information that they need to give you, but yeah, you, your Apple ID, uh, you can go into settings and then tap on your name and you can see your Apple ID as well, but it is going to be your email address. If you already have an email address, like with, you know, I don't know, Gmail or something like that, it, it would be that email address most likely. Okay, so there's two parts to your Apple ID. It's your, your email address and then your password. So when they set up that phone for you, they create, you with them created a password, correct? Um, I've, he, oh, I have already okay. made it okay. him. All right. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then I, I'm going to just take the liberty to just take one more quick question. Rick, I see that you're unmuted. Yes. yes. There you are. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a couple of quick questions. Um, um, the one is uh, um, a buddy of mine uses um, the Apple... Um, what am I trying to say? The Apple, um, the Apple credit card. Would you recommend that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's, yes. it's awesome. Yes. Yes. We would all recommend it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, if I use like cloth wipes to clean my phone, is uh, that good? Am I iPad? Make sure they're microfiber. You know, uh, things that don't leave a lot of lint uh, and that you um, clean those claws after several uses, you know, wash them with soap and water and hang them out to dry. Do not put your microfiber cloths in the dryer because it will collect all kinds of crap, you know, from the, the clothes and so forth. So you want to hang those out to dry. Okay. So you want to use approved cleaning cloths for screens. Um, and they also make disposable ones for lens wipes that they sell in, you know, little individual packets that you will use for your glasses and you can use those for smartphones. All right. Um, I'm going to stop you there and just say that we also did, um, we also had a call just last week all about um, Apple, the Apple Pay, where Matt talks about the Apple Card, and so that will probably be up as a podcast not too terribly long from now, so um, if through ACB Radio. Um, and Matt, Cliff, Rita, thank you all so much for being here. Thank and you. Matt, and Matt, if you could just really quickly tell people how to find you. Yes, absolutely. So uh, the web address is ptjtech.net that's tango tango juliet followed by the word tech t-e-c-h dot n-e-t just as we were talking about a few minutes ago right on the main page 
you might need to expand the menu and widgets, but if you write on that page is a place where you can subscribe to the blog. And that's very important because that way you'll always be aware of what we're doing. We offer a lot of free training courses and a lot of free virtual help sessions. We also have paid one-on-one training, but you want to um, stay on the blog to learn all about that. And of course, you can get in touch with us at the tech juggernaut at iCloud.com. All the contact information is on the website as well. So again, that's ttjtech.net. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you all for coming. And thank you all for tuning in on ACB Radio. Tyson, thank you for streaming. Really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And um, everyone have a great rest of your day. <laughs>